Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode where we are going to be breaking down some of the most interesting niches for 2022. I think a lot of you guys are going to enjoy that. I know these kind of episodes are quite popular. But before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that we are about to close our Black Friday and Cyber Monday offer in the next few hours. And that is 75% off on our most popular new training this year, which is the Core Web Vitals training, which helps you improve your site speed. A lot of people got a perfect 100 page speed on mobile, the most difficult one, using that training from like really low scores. And also it helps you pass the Core Web Vitals, which is a ranking factor on Google. So if Google makes it a more important ranking factor that could cost you some traffic. So it's quite useful. You can go and snag it on autohacker.com slash Core Web Vitals. It's going to close very soon, so don't miss it out. But enough with the promo now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atari Hacker Podcast. I wanted to take a second before we start this episode to thank everyone who followed us two weeks ago uh, on our podcast on like how to rank without links. This was a very popular podcast, so yeah, it's quite nice when it happens to us. It makes us happy. So thank you for everyone who did that. Thank you for everyone who subscribed and uh, liked the video as well. There was quite a lot as well. Feel free to do that for this video as well. So subscribe, like, drop us a comment and tell us what topics you would like us to cover because we do we do we can't answer all the comments but we do read most of them and check it out and quite a few episodes have come from your comments already today is going to be i think a quite interesting episode where we are going to be talking about niches that we would put ourselves like we would start a website in in 2022 if we had all the time that we wanted right now we have quite a few projects to be honest we have quite a few new sites we started this year as well that we started putting a lot of resources in so i'm not sure we'll start most of these but we might start one in that list but feel free to steal these niches start your sites in these niches we'll tell you what we like we'll show you some sites that we like in this niche we'll talk about monetization we'll talk about why we think it's a growing market etc but i know what you want is not knowing what niche to start a website in you just want to know how mark is doing at least for half of you guys no i'm kidding but for a lot of people care about that so mark how are you doing? I am doing good, thanks. Unfortunately, my dog, not so well. He has to have a little operation today. I'm sure he's going to be fine. But actually, pets is one of the things we're going to talk about. And well, why don't we talk about that right now? Because as a niche, I think they're pretty interesting, actually. Especially in the last couple of years since the, the pandemic, right? You had that big wave of people get locked down pets in, in sort of early 2020. And uh, I'm curious to see, I was curious to see look, going into this, so like how has that sustained itself? And what's really interesting, if you look at the Google trend for uh, something like dog toys, is you see that it, you had that massive pandemic spike in uh, like February in, in 2020 or whatever. But ever since then, like in December 2020, which was what, nine months after the pandemic really hit the US, the spike during Christmas for dog toys was massive. It's the biggest search volume it ever had. That's when today. It so as we record this, November 2021, the search that I don't know exactly how many it gives, but Google gives a number of 64. It's like on a scale of one to 100. Now, pre-pandemic in November, that was looking to be about 58. So we can see that it's still increasing even like since before the pandemic. And that would make sense, right? Because when you get a dog, they, I don't know about your dog, but mine certainly chews the heck out of a lot of its toys in a matter of hours. So you always have to buy new ones. 
Uh, and I'm not talking about chew toys. I'm talking about actual things which are meant to be indestructible. He just like goes through them really fast. I think the most interesting thing with pets is that the profit margins are really high. So things are expensive, but they're cheap to produce. Like a, a squeaky toy is like very cheap but to produce. But like you go to a pet shop and it's quite expensive. And what it does, it opens the opportunity for businesses with high profit, high affiliate commissions, yeah, uh, that say. kind of stuff. And because they can afford it, because like then it's just a marketing game. The production cost is low. And it's the same for like dog food, for example, right? It's like, I mean, there is standards for dog food, but it's not nearly as high as uh, human food, right? There's much more rules for human food. And and it's like dog food, if you buy premium, I buy premium dog food for my food, for my dog. And it's like a bag of five kilos is like 50 euros or something. Like it's expensive, you know? And it's really interesting now because I, I'm starting to see in the UK premium dog food being sold in supermarkets. Uh, in like the normal supermarkets, not in specialist pet stores. So it seems like more and more people are aware of the differences between not so good and and very good dog food, and care about spending extra money on their on on their dog or the cat or or, or whatever else. So it's interesting in in that sense. It's also interesting from a affiliate marketing sense, and it's one of the few niches where. Amazon's not really the the main player in in town. Chewy, which they're is they're the only think, one. They're like a main player, but not the only one. I would say for sure. Chewy is historically been the dominant player in cats and dogs affiliate products. Massive, massive e-commerce store, and I think the commissions they pay are about double what Amazon pays at the moment. I could be wrong on that. I, I don't think they're double for the numbers, but for, I mean, we're not going to lie. We have some sites in, that, in around that niche and we have stats of sites we're running, right? And it's like, we make significantly more money for the same traffic sent away from the site, sending it to Chewy than we do to Amazon right now, even though you get paid for every product people buy on Amazon, for example. Actually, they did change their affiliate program recently. It wasn't so good initially. And then with the new changes, we thought it would be worse. And it's like, worse, not worse. But it actually is quite a bit better. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot better, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to not rely on Jeff Bezos while having a, a, a store that has like a lot of products you can promote, basically. So it's like, um, yeah, highly recommended. Anything else you want to say on products? Because I wanted to talk about competition. Yeah, well, I mean, let's jump on to, to, to competition. First, first and foremost, there are a lot of dog sites or a lot of cat sites. Even when you get into like fish and hamsters and that, there, there are a lot of sites out there. Very popular affiliate niche, probably because there's so many affiliate programs, there's very high commissions to be paid. And there's just a lot of things to talk about. I mean, how many different dog breeds, cat breeds, types of gerbils are there uh, that, that you can create content around. Someone has created a site about just about every type of of pet animal that you can have really. Also, I feel like because it wasn't even the first ta- the task site that we made around pets that started this. I think back in the day Perrin who used to work for us in what was like 2015, yeah. 16. Pup, yeah. He had a pet, yeah, pet pet website that he sold for uh, quite a lot of money actually. And a lot of people off the back of the case study that he did on that got inspired to get into the pet niche as well. And all of them are, a lot of them have been really successful as well. And some of them have even done case studies and then this whole like history has repeated itself multiple times over. So yeah, you can expect a lot of competition in the space. Uh, which is good in the sense that there's obviously people making making money there, but it can be difficult, you know, if you're if you're brand new, especially if you're starting a, a broader like a site about all dogs yeah, or about all cats. I would say specialized pets. So 
Exactly. Niche down and specialize. So maybe you can start a site about border collies and, and just focus on, on, on them even better if you, if you happen to have a border collie. Or you could do, you know, cat treats or cat food or dog food or something like that. And, and I saw go, an example of a site. Uh, I, I can't remember the URL, but I think we put it in the bureau if I find it on exotic pets. And it was like super uncompetitive, like, you know, the food for lizards and food for snakes and stuff like that. It's not very high search volume, but like, I liked the idea that the site, you know, wasn't doing just snakes or just lizards. It was doing like exotic pets. So it allows them to hit all these micro niches that are very, very easy to rank for. And I think it's like, it's a perfect scope of a, of a site that's like, you're not going to make six figures per month from this, but you could make five figures per month from this if you rank well. And it's, it's quite nice already. You can either just hold it and collect your paychecks every month, or you can sell it if you want. But, and, but the, the degree of competition against potential earnings is pretty interesting. And so I think it's all about how you scope this, the, your, your site. Like, as I said, like if you're doing dogs, maybe just a, a single breed or maybe like, for example, I think like terriers, for example, would be a cool, like, you know, style of breed where you can cover like three, four, five breeds, but like you don't go for like all dogs and you're like a niche site and you can rank higher with lower DR, et cetera, would be my play for that. It's not definitely not easy. Like, I mean, our site, the first year wasn't very good, to be honest. It took some time to like get it going. Now it's going. But it's kind of like a delayed fuse type niche because there's a lot of competitors. But if you know how to build sites, if you follow our stuff, like, I mean, there's a test case study site that is in this niche and is doing okay right now. So I think I think it's totally doable still. It's not that crazy to build a site in that niche. And the size against the rewards is pretty good, I'd say. There's a really interesting example in the cat space. There's a site called felineliving.net. It's only DR40, Medium, which is, yeah. you know, achievable for sure. But it has 125,000 visits a month. That's in Ahrefs as well. So it probably has a little bit more than that. And they, ra- they actually rank for best cat food, which is an insanely competitive affiliate term. I think they're like number 10 or something for it. So you know, there's a lot of really high like DR80, 90 sites rank- ranking number one, uh, in the t- top 10 for that. So that's probably not you know where you're trying to target. Instead, there's a lot of longer tail keywords that you you can be targeting as well, as well with that. What's so interesting about them though is the amount of traffic they have. And I noticed a number of really interesting keyword patterns. They've gone for cat names. So they have articles about about funny cat names, female cat names, cat names for black cats, gray cats, uh, all sorts of con- content around this as well. And the female cat names for example uh, I think they rank number one for that. They get 16,000 visits per month. And this is a pretty low competition keyword they run as, ads as, as well. well. Yeah. So if they're running ads to that, they could probably expect, I don't know what it would be in the, the pet space, but like, uh, I don't know, 20, mm. north of $20, uh, uh, RPM uh, uh, uh. $30. 30 to 40, I would say. 30 to 40. Uh, that's once they're on something like Mediavine or or um, AdThrive, uh, not stock AdSense, of, of, of course. But yeah, lots of potential there for even 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 broader sites uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, it's cool because you can do all these info keywords as well. And these info keywords, I mean, as I said, because pet products are like high margin, it's the same for ad revenue, right? It's like advertisers do pay more money for that traffic because they have the margins. They can't afford to pay that money. And so it's one of these uh, niches that will pay pretty good money. And like, you know, these typical like cat names keywords, they actually can be quite lucrative if you maintain a high ranking and get a lot of visits on your site. What I love about that site is they run still on Focus Blog, actually. So they're still running on like the OG, the OG site setup from like 
seven, eight years ago. So probably that's the age of the site, just from the team, I can tell you. It's probably like seven to nine, seven to eight years old, this site. But yeah, it's a, it's a good site. And so like you can find that. Don't just do a pet site. Build a kind of niche. I think Cats was good because Cats is a lot less popular than dogs. And it's also, therefore, a lot less competitive. But yeah, if you're doing dogs, uh, don't just do dogs. Do something a little bit more niche. And you can rebrand later. You can like redirect and make a broader domain later if you're doing well or something. So it's not a problem. Yeah. Anything else to say on uh, on pets? No, let's move on to the next one. What have you got for us? Okay, so one of those that I would be interested in doing, and it's like it's kind of like a, a slight gamble, but I would still do it. And it's kind of like the small business slash remote work lifestyle setup. Like I was looking at this survey where 50% of US workers don't want to go back full-time to the office. Like they're, ho- they're okay to go like a few days a week or something. It's fine. But a lot of people, like it's basically going to stay. Like, you know, you can see like Facebook, Twitter, all these big companies, they're like, like they're letting people work remotely forever at this point. And uh, it's something that used to be quite niche. Like we've been working for ho- from home for like a long time, for like almost 10 years or something. And I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast have been working from home way before there was a pandemic and people had to do that. Or you went to like a um, co-working space or something like this, but yeah. And I wanted to do a site around home office setup, small business collab tools. Like, you know, you, we need to use new tools, et cetera, to work together. It's not new to us, but like most people have never used, like we're on Google Meet now, for example, to record the podcast. Most people have never used that stuff, et cetera, or like, you know, Microsoft's doing this kind of stuff, but there's a lot of small tools that do that as well. And that have a fit programs, by the way, and software tools for like small business in general, like all these kind of like productivity at work type stuff and, and, and software mixed with hardware of like setting up a home office. Like we just changed our screens for example and things like that and yeah i like it because it's going to stay i think what is interesting for me is that we are topic experts because we've actually been doing that for a really long time and i think a lot of people the problem a lot of people have when they take like the authority system and you know i'm like well if you're good at something you know like try to cover that because it's like you have a competitive advantage even if the niche is a little bit more difficult or it's a bit harder to monetize or something it's sometimes a good idea if you really have a competitive advantage and most people, like, you know, you ask them, what do you like? And they're like, oh, I like Netflix TV shows and my smartphone, you know? It's like, well, probably not that good of an issue, you know? But I think, like, people forget that, like, how long, how many years have you, have you been using Google Docs? How many years have you been using, you know, to-do systems? How many years have you been, you know, buying desks for home and uh, thinking about your home chair? Like, you have, like, a nice chair at home. I don't have a shit IKEA one, but you have a nice one. <laughs> But um, you get the idea. So like, uh, I like the idea that we are topic experts and if, like even on Teraka, it feels nice to be a topic expert and you find a lot of opportunities here. The trick though with that niche is that a lot of very popular tools like Google Docs, like uh, the Microsoft Team Suite and Office 365, etc., have no affiliate programs. So you need to be a little bit careful on how you create your content. But there are many, many tools that have affiliate programs. I think Monday.com, for example, is a very popular planning tool that has an affiliate program. I mean, there's quite a few of these that, that you will find affiliate programs for, but there's quite a few you will not. So you will need to like steer your content towards these, con- these, these tools that have these affiliate programs. And you can create Google Docs content more as your info content to like get some links and get people to come over, etc. There's a lot of 
products which rather than the home office worker would buy, the business owner that suddenly has 30 people working remotely would be interested in. So like recruitment systems. Yeah, um, yeah. accounting tool, accounting software, et cetera. Like. Yeah, you could, you could get into some of that. Even like HR, so like how do you manage feedback in a remote environment and collecting data around you know, employee performance and, and things like that. And for, for non-online like businesses, so where people have to actually go out and meet customers, for example, things like GPS tracking or appointment scheduling or, or, or things like that as well. It's not just that, it's like all the tools like for like, because businesses have to communicate more online as well. So like all the online marketing tools, et cetera, you can promote, like Canva, for example, a really good tool to like promote to the marketing people that work remotely or something like uh, it, this fits on that site, even though it's like, it's not a pure like work remotely, it's more like that. It's part of that lifestyle of like work on your laptop, create marketing content on like cloud-based software and get stuff done basically. And so I think cloud-based software is really going to be like a... Uh, a big thing of that, and uh, it's a really good way to brand it, though. As like, uh, hey, I've been working remotely for ten years and used all these tools and tried them out, and here's what I think. Like, people would buy into that. Yeah. But that's why I think uh, the opportunity would be tied with a YouTube opportunity. I think you need to be on YouTube to really make this work as well, because if you look at like, you know, some of these like roundup review queries will be dominated by like tech sites. For example, if you search for like best work from home headsets for example, or something like this. Like, yeah, you're going to find like te- like uh, all the tech radar and all these guys, like uh, New York Times is there, PC Mag is here, CNET is here. Uh, so it's a little bit tricky. I think you would need to get on YouTube to make this work. And I think it's more about building a following here. But there is some cool sites that uh, I wanted to share still about uh, that do that. So one that I really like that I've been using for a long time is called thesweetsetup.com. It's only for software, so it's not exactly work from home, but it's like this kind of software, you know, like this note-taking, this all that stuff, etc. They get sponsored a lot. I think not all tools have affiliate programs, but they get sponsored, they get paid to create content and all of that. Uh, it's only for Apple, so sorry, Mark, but you're excluded here. But yeah, it's a really, really good site that will show you what kind of site you can build around that. And another site that I found that actually does not rank for that much, but still, they're DR1, right? But... Check the site. It's called worker.com and they're exactly the focus that I wanted to talk about, which is like work remotely. And they actually rank for a lot of comparison keywords for share, for chairs. So actually like your chair is in there. Like they have a lot of like Herman Miller VS, like they have like Herman Villa Iron versus Steel Case Leap, for example. And like I see that they're already ranking on page one, even top five for a bunch of these skills. These chairs cost like a thousand dollars or something. So if you can get a commission on that, even like a 5% commission, it's pretty cool, actually, like 50 bucks per, per chest sold or something. And so, like, it shows you some, like, and that's a DR1 site. Like, it's really hard to make it, to make it, like, lower in authority, but the site is well built. It's like, I challenge you to stake that site in a year. If they manage to build some links, I think they will go quite well. It's like, it's one of my bets. But it shows you that this angle can work. And when you see all the VS keywords they've been targeting, et cetera, I think, that it shows you that there is potential here. Now, there's no, I don't think there's like a big authority site that has been targeting that specific angle, you know, like there's kind of like the tech sites targeting the, the headsets and then there's like some productivity sites targeting the the like uh, to-do systems or like uh, Google Docs or Notion is very popular as well, for example. But I think these guys are trying to tie it together and uh, I think that you can do quite well with that, especially if you mix it with sponsored content and ads will probably pay a lot of money as well. Anything you want to add to this niche? No. I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit before with the the 
small business software. I think yeah. it's it's a really good Styled. good way of branding a small business software site and like focusing on the the home worker, the remote team, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you can paint yourself as an expert quite easily. Like most people that listen to this podcast will have more experience than the readers for this site. And so you can build a legitimate front for your site and rank for a bunch of uh, fake queries on hyping uh, software, I think. All right, let's move on to the next one, shall we? Yeah, yeah, go. The next one I've chosen is health and fitness. Now, <laughs> you may uh, remember back in 2017, 18, we had a health and fitness site that got absolutely spanked by the Google Medic <laughs> update. So I want to I position this a little bit carefully, but I think the game has changed a little bit since 2018. First of all, when I'm talking about health and fitness, I'm not talking about medical stuff. I'm talking more like home workouts, exercise. Home gym's been super popular. So it's popular more fitness than the, health the last year as well. Yes, although it does touch on things like supplements, protein powder, these kinds of things. But again, it's to stay fit, build muscle, do these kinds of things rather than oh, I need to cure some medical disease or like we're really giving that a wide berth. Here. I remember the, the keyword that I found when I did research, keyword research for that site. I found like how to regrow your teeth. And uh, some people would like write articles on like, you know, put some lemon juice on your gums or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, Honestly, like Google was right to bring out that yeah. medic update because there was so much bullshit on the, the search results like three, four years ago. And now it's, well, it's just all Healthline basically. But to be fair, it's, it's generally pretty good. If you put a keyword such as home gym into Google Trends, what's interesting is that you had a massive pandemic spike. But still today, it's about double what it was pre-COVID. So it seems like a lot of people have actually gotten more on board with this. And I can only see that continuing as we go through this winter and perhaps more countries have lockdowns and stuff again, as we're already starting to see here in, uh, in some parts of Europe at least. Uh, so I think the home gym is definitely here to stay for a lot of people who have the space or are moving to places that now have the space as well. The medic update scared a lot of affiliates, a lot of marketers away from this space completely. And I think they've given it too wide of a berth and they said, well, it's, it's home fitness gym equipment or, or protein powder that could be medical. I better not touch it. And that was our attitude for, for a while as well. We haven't gone back into it yet for what it's worth, but um, I, I've seen a lot of people who have and have done, done it quite successfully. And that's a huge market, right? Before the pandemic, before everyone started working out from home, protein powder, God, I don't know how many billions of dollars that's worth per year, but uh, certainly a lot. We used to rank for a lot of these keywords as well. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and while you will see sites like bodybuilding.com and I think the Spruce, is it the Spruce that has one? Very well fit. Very well fit. You'll see sites like this rank for you know best protein powder if you niche down even one level at best protein powder for beginners you start to see lower dr sites appear there uh, i found this one called the trusty spotter it's dr32 which again is very okay, achievable yeah. has 132,000 traffic uh sorry 130k traffic on ahf so it probably has more and i think they rank for best protein powder for beginners or something they rank like for some well. big uh, big uh, review keywords as well yeah and they have an interesting strategy and that's to review physical gyms around the US so they'll rank for things like gyms with pools or gyms with racquetball courts and they have content so specifically tailored towards that 
And that's how they get a lot of their traffic. But at the same time, they're still managing to rank for all these juicy, lucrative affiliate keywords as well. So I think that if this is done well, if this is executed well, if you give the medical stuff some space and you don't go too near it, and if you work on your EAT, and that's not because I think EAT is a thing. I think because if you actually, and rather than paying some SEO writer to read what's on the online and rewrite it, is which is what most health websites did in 2017, if you actually have physiotherapists who can tell you about uh, some gym equipment or you know someone who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to to protein powder and nutrition and those those kind of things, and they're actual experts. Again, I'm not saying this because we're trying to trick Google into thinking, oh, hey, we have a professional, you should trust us. I'm saying because it's actually going to make your content really, really good and it's going to make it stand out and people are going to trust you. And that's what's going to cause you to to do well. Yeah, I mean, we do that with our, our pet site. We actually have a vet that reviews our writer's content and drops them comments on Google Docs. And then like they're able to adapt and we can also say we have a vet in the team and the content is like vet reviewed. It's not as expensive as you think. If you're higher in like Central Europe and these kind of places, you will find people who speak good English, have the qualification, the degrees, you know, recognized by the EU and stuff like that and will cost not nearly as much as you would think you would have to pay. So yeah. One thing that I wanted to add is a tactic that I found to essentially... Find the line, the the health, the medical update line, right? So I think now it's it's settled enough that we can see where all the shit landed and where the line is. And my tactic that I found for that, and that gives me trust in my ability to go in this niche and actually be able to rank, is that I find sites that have been hit very hard by that update. So I'm going to give you an example here, consumerhealthdigest.com. So these guys used to get like 1.5 million visits per month, according to HRS, before the update. After the update, they were at, and the afterwards, they were at 30,000. So they went from like, sorry, the, the peak was not 1.5. The peak was 1.3 million. And they went down to 30,000, according to HRS. Like, that is a drop, you know? But what's interesting is like, now they're back to 136,000. So, but clearly that, that domain is like not in Google's best favors. Like Google still thinks most of their content is pretty shit, basically. And then I take that domain and I look at what's ranking for them. I'm looking at like, what are the pages, the topics they allow, that Google allows them to rank for, despite them being considered a bad health site. And that tells me exactly where the line is for where Google is like applying the medic update algorithm and where it's not, you know? And so, for example, a lot of supplement reviews are ranking on that site. And that tells me that, Probably supplement reviews are not subject to the medical update. They're not or like not nearly as much as like some other terms these guys used to rank for. And so if you do a good enough job at finding sites that have been hammered, you know, 10, 15, 20, and observe what's still ranking for them, what they're doing well with, you will be able to tell keywords you can write about that will most likely not be affected by that layer of the algorithm because these sites are obviously offenders of it and they, they would do badly if they were going in that area probably still, you know? Otherwise they would have recovered most of their traffic. So that is, in my opinion, like that is my way to deal with the medical update now. It's to actually just, yeah, take take people's misery and observe it <laughs> and, uh, and understand like why you should not go by looking at the burnt body on the ground, you know? So that's pretty much, uh, that's, that's something I wanted to add for this niche because I think, I think that's a cool tactic to to decide where you can go and where you cannot go. 
Let's do the next one, actually. Uh, my next one uh, is also going to not surprise many people, maybe. It's, uh, I would go in personal finance. and uh, But I would go for like very, very niche keywords. Like basically personal finance is like, you know, managing your own money, investing, etc. It's gotten very popular with cryptos. It's gotten very popular with the market having the incredible bull run it had in the last two years. So much so that 15% of all investors started in 2020 or later, which is a very high number, considering mostly old people tend to do that. And what that new frenzy of people investing has done is it's also started a new, a lot of new vehicles for people to invest their money. Lots of new funds, lots of new tickers on the stock market, etc. And what that does is it sparks a lot of new keywords with low competition because nobody has ever written about them and even very established sites don't have content about it if you write about it early enough. If you want to see me talk more about that niche, I've actually made a live stream keyword research and the niche that I asked, I asked the audience to pick the niche and, I'd research, and my challenge was find low competition keywords in that niche. Obviously, the audience picked the most difficult niche, so they picked personal finance. I did find a bunch of like low competition keywords with like DR30 size ranking that we could write about, right? But I'm going to show you some more. The one thing that you need to be a little bit careful about with this is that a lot of keywords will be news keywords, so keywords that will like spike in interest and then die out. Uh, like, you know, if you write about the new shitcoin that's like uh, everyone's talking about, like probably in a year you won't get much traffic for it anymore. And then on the other side, you have like a lot of evergreen keywords that are, you know, squatted by very, very high authority sites like MarketWatch and uh, Fool.com and all these guys. And so you kind of need to juggle between these two and find your space between them. And usually these are like niche affiliate keywords that you would find that. And I have two examples of sites that you can look at to give you an example of what's possible. So the first one I have is a forexbrokers.com. They are the 50. So it's like, it's not low, but it's not very high as well. It's achievable within probably two years for most people, I would say. Like we probably would do that in less if we really pushed for it. But I think two years is realistic. And if you look, they rank, for example, in UK, they rank... Uh, Number one for eToro reviews, for example. And eToro has like, I'm not sure how much they pay, I haven't checked, but I would expect at least 50 pounds to 150 per sale or something like this. And so that page is expected to get 20,296 traffic according to HF. So these guys are banking, basically. Yeah, they rank for best Forex broker number one as well, 1.8 thousand searches, but like very high intent as well. Uh, 6,300 traffic according to HFs. They rank for a bunch of like reviews as well, like best Forex brokers for beginners, number one. Like pretty high commercial intent keywords for a DR50 site. So it shows you that it's quite possible. And it's not like there's just this one site. I found another one called 55brokers.com as well that is pretty similar as well. Like they're getting, uh, they're around DR50 as well. Let me check. They are DR50. Yeah, they're exactly DR50. And they get 45K organic traffic as well. So it's pretty high. And again, they're ranking for a lot of like comparison, like, you know, like Hugo's Way review. I don't know that trading platform, but they get 6,600 traffic according to Ahrefs. This this traffic, you know, 30, 40, 50,000, <laughs> it might not seem... You know, super in the high to, space, to some, yeah. but in the finance niche, like that is a lot of money. It's like, possible the, to make six the, figure a month, like with this much traffic, yeah. like very possible, especially because they're ranking for mostly review keywords, right? And it's DR50, like DR50, I mean, you will have to pay for a lot of your links, I think, in that niche. I think like if you're getting in there, you're paying for links. Uh, it's going to be very difficult otherwise. But for the investment it's going to take to get DR50 versus how much you can potentially make, seeing how these guys are ranking for these big effort keywords, I think it's... 
It's pretty nice, actually, you know? And I'd be pretty excited about that, especially if you consider these new keywords, these new tickers that come out, etc. If you check my um if you check my keyword research stream, you will see that I talk about finding popular tickers and putting VS and people like check which one they want to invest in. And so nobody ever writes these VS comparisons and like some tiny sites manage to rank for like some, you know, five, six, seven hundred searches per month keywords for VS, for example. And it's very easy to say, oh, you can buy this ticker on this uh, stock exchange, on this um, broker, this one and this one and sell some broker accounts, for example. I'm quite confident we could walk in with a fair amount of resources. I wouldn't want to go this with my pockets empty. But if I can hire like one good writer full time, maybe, and if I can have some budget for link building, I'm pretty confident I would build a decent site and I'm pretty confident I would turn a profit on like year two or something, you know? You're probably looking at what, like low to mid five figure investment over a couple of years to to get there? I would say mid five figures at least. Like, I, it's like, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go in there with like eight thousand dollars. Like, if you give me fifty to sixty k, I'd be confident to go to go in there. And we can. It's like even with that, it's like I'd still be targeting like smallish keywords. I'm I'm not sure I'd go for like best forex broker, you know. Um, but you know, I might go for like you know ticker comparisons, selling some brokerages, etc. And you know, if they pay you a hundred bucks per sell, and you manage to like uh, get some every month, yeah, I think I can make a profit on this. So I, I, it's like, for me, it's one of these projects where like, I'd, I'd be happy to jump in, but I don't recommend people that have no experience or no money to jump in. But you don't need as much money as you think. Like most people, when you say finance, they imagine you need to invest a million dollars, you know? I don't think that's the case. I think you can do some damage with like, you know, mid five figures already. You can get started enough to pay for the bills and hopefully grow from that. You want to take the next one? Yeah, okay. The the last one we've got is smart home. Now, when we talk about smart home, we don't just mean different fancy colored light bulbs that you use with your your phone. That was like the first kind of generation of, of stuff, but it's gotten really advanced now. It's breaches into security. So you've got your ring doorbell cameras, all sorts of different alarms. You have sensors which can detect if you have if your pipes are leaking. You even get one that you can put in your mailbox. And it'll let you know when you have, it'll send you an email when you have physical mail. Bit of like interesting inception going on there. I was actually looking at getting one of those recently as well. I found that uh, over the pan, during the pandemic, it's actually not surprisingly gone up as more people spend more time at home. They want to do up their home and do things like that rather than spend money on vacations or and, and traveling. And just of course, because smart homes wasn't really a thing 10 years ago. It's definitely on an upward trend. So I wouldn't say you're first to the party. There's definitely a lot of uh, already established sites in that space, like security.org. I think we've talked about them on the, the podcast before. They have like 7 million, 7 million views on YouTube. I thought that said subscribers at the top. That's actually not all that that many. But as, a, as an affiliate site, it's really well built. They definitely rank for good, best VPN, good one to, actually. Yeah, definitely a good one to look at. They do cover digital security, like VPN stuff. They cover home security, cameras, and then all sorts of smart home tech as well. So it's interesting split that they've done there, but very, very well executed. That's not to say that they're, you have to have a super high DR site to, to compete. Certainly, if you're going to target, I don't know, best smart light bulbs, you've got to be DR 80 or something to even compete in that. I think I, I looked at the, the keyword in the lowest site on page one was DR83, which you know, it's going to take you a long time and yeah. a hell of a lot of money to get there. It's probably not, you know, worth competing on that level. But 
there is a lot of options to compete, to niche down, to talk about some of the more specifics of smart lighting, uh, say, for example. There's a one site which I found which is really interesting. It's smarthomesolver.com. And they have written specific articles around things like the Arlo Pro battery life. So whereas something on security.org may just have a, a section of an article on the of their review on battery life, Smart Home Solver has a whole article on it. And as a result, they do well. So if you can niche down your content and, and really get into the detail around some questions that might that people might have, you can stand a chance in some cases of beating guys like security.org on questions like this. They also have a number of keywords, is X product worth it? which is one I haven't seen before. And so it's kind of like a review, but it's more just like, is it worth the money or, or not? That That's kind of the focus there as well. So I also found that quite quite interesting. I think it's uh, going to be, I think it will continue to be a strong niche, even post-pandemic when people sort of get out into the real world. Because once you're on these systems, right, each smart home technology has its own ecosystem. It's kind of like when you're on Android or iOS, you're, once you make that decision, you're kind of tied to that and all the future products that you buy have to be in there. All these ecosystems are re- constantly releasing new products and so people are just buying more and more and more stuff. Plus, when you move to a home, if someone's already put some smart tech, smart home tech in there as well, then chances are you're going to join that ecosystem and become a customer as well. So I think it's just going to perpetuate itself as a as a niche. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that niche is that it's, Pretty much the tech niche, which brings two problems. One, big sites, you're going to compete against the tech radar, the PC mag, and all these guys, CNET. The second one is there is always new versions of your products, so you need to update your content all the time. And that's, I mean, it's cool, but it's a lot of work, basically. Like if you rank, you can make good money. People buy these things on a whim as well. Like the conversion is pretty high. Like people just see it, like, oh, great, new, new gadget, and just buy it. That's fine. And they're, they're usually good at convincing people with the features and so on. But, uh, but you will have quite a lot of work on updating your content regularly. Most companies release new versions every year with like slight updates, etc. You know, same as an iPhone or something like this. We talked about this phenomenon on a previous podcast when we looked at PC hardware and building your own yeah. like PC com- components. Because that's suffers probably more than than, than this. You yes, know, the new types of graphics cards Laptop coming out every other oh month, God. it seems. Yeah, so the products, if you're targeting like NVIDIA 3080 graphics card, uh, you know, they've already got the 3080 Ti and the one I'm you sure tried? they'll have like the 40, yeah, <laughs> the one I broke. And then they'll they'll have the 4080 or whatever next year when it, whenever it comes out. So with PCs, the model number tends to change quite a lot. What I found in smart home is it's a little different that the model numbers do change, but the way they present it uh, and the way they call it doesn't. So it's yeah. still the ring doorbell. People are searching for a ring doorbell review, but they're actually on like model seven or something now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the pages can survive. You don't need to make a new page. Exactly. Yeah. But you need to update the content on the page because the feature set Correct. is different. Like they add some new infrared uh, scanning, etc. I also think that people have a lot less of an issue buying last year's model of their doorbell than they do having last year's model of their smartphone, for example. Yeah. So it's it's a lot less of an issue. Like it's pretty frequent. Like I buy this stuff and it's like I don't mind buying something that's like 
the previous generation because it's like 40% off or something. So it's it's not as much pressure as the PC stuff, but there is some pressure on there. Um, but I think it's kind of an opportunity as well because, you know, every time you can kind of like, uh, every time you update your page, you can kind of like grind a few spots on the subs and a lot of people will write their content but not be willing to update it. And you can slowly claim it up, especially if the URL stays the same. So if I was going in that niche, I would definitely put a lot of emphasis on like, how do I keep my content up to date and how do I use that process to gain spots in the subs actually. But uh, yeah, I think it, it can be good, but I would, uh, I would go on YouTube for that too. I would want to be on YouTube. If you look at that site that you shared, he's actually really big on YouTube and uh, he's doing uh, uh, like, he's like half a million followers or something. I think the site came after the YouTube channel actually, but uh, their approach to SEO makes sense. Now, how do you convert like, uh, what is Arlo's battery? I guess you can, because if people are checking the battery, they're checking before they buy. So you can send people back. Yeah, I think it's possible. Okay, that makes sense. So it's just like question-based stuff. One thing I recommend, I've mentioned that tactic in the past, but not everyone listens to every episode, is to go in the support system for all these things. If you're in smart, in smart home, same thing. Like these questions are all in whatever FAQ area of this Arlo alarm system or something. And you can throw these in Ahrefs and see which keywords they rank for if they're indexed. And, uh, you know, in one of our previous case studies, like, that's how uh, we took that site really quickly to 15 grand a month. We found all these like questions nobody was answering and we were ranking number one without any competition in one of the most competitive niches out there. I'm not going to say the niche, but it's, it's not that hard to guess. And that tactic would work very, very well in the smart home industry as well, I think. So I would recommend people do that. Anything else to add on the smart home industry? No, I think we're good. I think that's the last one. Yeah, so we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. If you enjoyed us breaking down these niches, etc., don't forget to drop us a thumb up, like, subscribe. You know what to do. And drop us a comment letting us know what you want us to cover in the next podcast episodes. And we'll see you again in two weeks. See you later. Hey, Atari Hackers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I just wanted to close it by reminding you one last time that our Black Friday Cyber Monday offer is closing really soon, and that is a 75% off on our most popular training that we released this year. That is the Core Web Vitals Blueprint that helps you both with your site speed. A lot of people manage to get perfect site speed using this and helps you also fix your Core Web Vitals. So if you're not passing that new Google ranking factor, this training is going to help you with that. And it's 75% off now, but it's closing really soon because, well, Cyber Monday and Black Friday are ending now. So don't miss it out. Go on atoyhacker.com slash Core Web Vitals and we'll see you in two weeks for another podcast episode. Mm-hmm.